So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the amazing goodness of God and how Jesus shows us the heart of God. How Jesus, every healing, every person he reached out to, every lost soul that he cared about, the last one, that was the last line in that song, to the very last lost one, he cares. And Jesus showed us that when he walked on the earth. He pointed us to the heart of the Father. Last week, we looked specifically at the compassion of Christ, the compassion that, that, that God has, that Christ had that, and has, that had such an awareness of the needs of the people, such a deep awareness. The word for compassion is bowels. And it was this inner stirring this inner compassion literally in in the innermost being of God that cared so much that he had to do something about it and he healed and he forgave and he and he ministered and he preached and he taught and then the ultimate gift of compassion was when he died on the cross because he saw the need in us and there was no other way to meet that need So today I'm going to continue, and I'm going to start with the scripture that we ended with last time. It's from Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8. And in this scripture, Jesus is talking to his apostles. He was sending them out into ministry. And as he sent them, he said, and as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is here at hand, right in front of you. So do something. Show the kingdom. When, when, when we reveal, when we tell, when we talk about the kingdom of God, there will be manifestations. And that's what Jesus was saying. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Notice that at the beginning of the scripture, it says, as you go. As you go. There's a teacher that I love to listen to, and a lot of you guys do too. His name's Dan Moeller. And he says that we should all, as children of God, have an as-you-go ministry. As-you-go, minister. Wherever it is. As you go home. Talk to your husband, your children. Mary Lou's home ministering to her dog right now because her dog's having some issues and she's praying over her dog and she's already seen one healing but that's why she's not here today where is it that you you can just see a need it might just be a smile it might just be a hug it might be in the grocery store being friendly to that checkout person who's looking really miserable but as you go be the child of God that you're called to be so I want to look at the two at the end of the scripture, the two pieces, it says freely you have received, and then it says freely give. So I'm going to divide this teaching into those two parts. But here's the first nugget that I want to share with you. Both parts, the receiving and the giving part, both parts are active, not passive. Often we think of the receiving part as being passive, like God does that part. We just sit believing and then receiving comes God does his part but that's not the way it works God did his part 2,000 years ago the receiving part 
is an active role. And so we're really we're going to look at what that looks like to actively receive, not passively, but actively. Pastor Tim says, wimps get wasted. <laughs> and if you're just sitting there waiting, you know, you're probably not going to see the, the, the power and the effects of the word come to pass in your life. So we're going to look at how both of these parts are active. So the first scripture I want to start with is kind of one of those tough scriptures to read. But I'm going to read it because I think that it really speaks volumes. It's Hosea 4 verse 6. And this is what the word says. My people, my people, not everybody, but God says my people. And I think that refers to believers. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I want to just sit there for a second before we go on. The word destroyed in, this, in the Hebrew literally means to be broken down. To be broken down little by little by little by little. It says, my people are broken down with a lack of knowledge. And that word knowledge is not just head knowledge. It means knowing through experience. It means encountering God, knowing him, having a relationship with him. But my people are perish or destroyed if they don't know God, if they don't have relationship with him, if they don't know him through experience. And I don't know about you, but you don't have to do anything great to experience God. I've discovered through experience that all you have to do is show up. All you have to do is take a baby step and God is there. And you see him just like we worshiped him with. You see him in all of those facets of your life. He's there. He's taking care of you. Even if everything's going wrong, it's almost as if you can sense God there holding you, carrying you, if you let him, if you have that time of relationship with him. But if we don't have relationship, if we don't know him through experience, people are destroyed or, or perish. Then the next line says, because you have rejected knowledge... I will also reject you from being a priest for me. So we can have knowledge presented to us and choose to reject it. We can choose to, for whatever reason, either because of a a tradition of man that you've been um, immersed or enmeshed with, we can choose not to receive it. That's what the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees did. They had the Messiah right in front of them, but they rejected what he was saying. And we have the potential to do that. So we have people perish from lack of knowledge or because they reject knowledge. Because you've forgotten the law of your God. And when I look at the word law, I often think of the the word, the whole scripture. Because you've forgotten the promises, the, the word of God, the promises of God. I also will forget your children. Whoa, that's a hard one. And I often think not just in my my children, but my, child, my spiritual children. Because look at how um, the, the word and the ripple effect flow and the positive aspect to our spiritual children. So let's look at the... the I'm going to reframe this now. I'm going to look at the same scripture in the positive instead of in the negative. I'm just going to take the words and make them into the positive. And I believe this is also truth. So this is another translation. This is Cindy's translation. It's not a Bible translation. It's taking the other scripture and making it into the positive. 
My people are restored with knowledge. Instead of being destroyed without knowledge, restored means built up. My people are restored with knowledge, with knowledge of his promises, with knowledge of his word, with knowledge of, of, of God and having encounter with him and having relationship with him. My people are built up. They're restored. That's good news. Because you've received my knowledge or my promises, I receive you into my royal priesthood. We're, I'm going to show you a scripture later that says that's who we are. We are part of his royal priesthood. When we receive the knowledge, when we say, I receive it, I believe it, I receive it, God, even if I don't understand it, then it says that God receives us into his royal priesthood. And because the word is engrafted, instead of forgotten, the other, the other Hosea, the, the, the real scripture says that the word has been forgotten. But instead of forgetting it, when you engraft the word into your heart, then the opposite is true. God remembers you, your children, your spiritual children, your posterity. So we're talking today, first of all, about freely receiving. Think about a need in your life or a desire in your life that you are believing God for to receive. This is a healing meeting. So it's very likely it's a healing need. What I want to share with you today is that there are some, some actions we can take to actively receive. In fact, that word receive, a better translation is take. Instead of freely receive, it's freely take. So how can we position ourselves to take in an active way, in an active role? I'm going to give you some nuggets. These are, these are just treasures, just beautiful little nuggets, suggestions that will put you in a whole different light. So I just want to pray over it. Father God, as I just share these, um, these nuggets, these really good treasures, I pray, Father, that our hearts are open to receive. I pray, Father, that there is just a stirring and excitement knowing that you have a really good plan and a really good purpose for each one of us. Thank you, Father, for these truths. In Jesus' name, amen. So first of all, establish yourself an environment for healing. This is one of the ways to receive. You need to be in a really good environment. We're talking about healing today. You right now are in an environment for healing. You're not home isolated by yourself. I'm going to um, briefly talk about three levels in, in establishing yourself in a healing environment. The first level is one-on-one. -on -one. I believe it's really important for you to have a person that you can connect with one-on-one. -on -one. That person, it's very important, needs to be a believer and a believer in healing, a believing believer that knows what the word says about healing and that is in agreement with God and you. That's the person that you go to with your questions. That's the person that you go to when you're, when you're needing prayer Maybe you're feeling a little bit weak or puny in, in your body or spiritually, and you just need somebody to stand alongside you and agree with you. I've had mentors. I call them a mentor. I've had a spiritual mentor my whole Christian walk. 
My first spiritual mentor was Jen, the, the girl who led me to the Lord. She was a lot younger than me, but she was the person that God had, had set aside for me. She led me to Jesus to begin with. She's the first person that told me about Jesus the healer. She's the first person that started to share truth with me that I'd never heard. She's the one I went to with question after question after question. And she always answered my questions with the Bible, which was awesome. It wasn't her opinion. She always showed me the word and gave me the answers to my questions. She's also the one that I called when I had fear attacking me. She's the one that I called when I was, you know, just having a panic attack with all the stuff that was going on or when I needed to make a decision about treatment. She's the one I went to. She was my mentor during that season of my life. Another mentor that has been in my life very, very powerfully, and that's Pastor Tim. I consider Pastor Tim my mentor in ministry. I glean so much from him. I literally, when he's ministering, and I've, let me tell you, Kent and I sat under Pastor Tim right where you're at for years and years and years. We have been with him for 10 years, but for about eight of those years, I wasn't teaching. Kent wasn't doing anything in the ministry. We were sitting there taking in everything Pastor Tim had to give. I invited him over for dinner a lot. Not just because I wanted to feed him in Fran, but because I wanted to hear. I wanted to talk to him. I wanted him to share stories of ministry with me. And I would specifically ask him all kinds of questions, both him and Fran, because they were, they were gifted in different ways. So I would ask, Pastor Tim, how do you, what do you feel? What does it feel like when, you, when God is speaking to you and giving you words of knowledge? Help me to understand that a little more. And with Fran, Fran, when, because she was very prophetic, you know, Fran, share with me how, because she would just write these long prophecies and it's like, wow, that's cool. How does that feel? What does it look like? You know? So I was just taking as much as I could from them. Um, when I, I'll never forget the day that this came out. I'm going to get teary now. The day that this came out, it was a Tuesday and we went to Ann Arbor to pick them up from the printer. And the first person I showed was Fran. And she was in the um, sanctuary praying before the meeting. And I took it over to her. And I showed her. And oh, what a proud mama, spiritual mama. And she was just, just speaking over us and prophetically speaking over this Bible study and our ministry and just, you know, pouring into us. So they have been very powerful spiritual mentors in our ministry. I have another mentor now, a spiritual mentor um, for me personally, and that's Pastor Fran, the woman who taught here a few weeks ago. She's the person I go to. She's my accountability. I, I want her to hold me accountable for everything that she, that I teach or that she hears me speak or we talk when, when I have questions. Um, new revelation I usually talk with her about before I'm going to share with you. Um, so... She's my spiritual mentor. She's the one now that I go to for prayer when I have a prayer need. Um, very, so I have a spiritual mentor. And I think it's important for all of us to have that person. Now, I ask God to help me with that. I simply go to God. I say, God, who is that person? And 
he will show you. And then I go talk to the person. Say, would you take up this role with me? Now, it's a big commitment. It's an important role to be in. And, and, and you need to take that into consideration. But it's just very powerful to have a spiritual mentor. So that's the first part of immersing yourself in an environment for healing. The second is a small group. And that's what I consider this to be. Now, I know that there's a lot of people, and I'm standing here talking. But we do have time with our ministry team to break up, to talk, to ask questions, to receive prayer. You don't usually have that on a Sunday service, but you do in a small group. Again, when I was going through cancer, I was part of a small group. There were like six or eight of us, and those six or eight people were amazing. They were the ones that were there. They, they knew every step of my journey as far as the medical part. And they were praying with me about every step of the way. They were believing with me every step of the way. They were like my, my, my calvary. They were with me all the time. It was awesome. So I went every week to my small group, and I was always able to ask questions and get prayer. And you can do that here. But you may also want to be a, a part of another small group because they're really powerful. Immerse yourself in an environment for growing, for healing, for, for uh, being a part of the body of Christ. We're here one for another. The third level is your church. Now, I'm going to say this with all my heart, and I'm not in any way, I don't want to be demeaning or hurt anybody's feelings, but I just want to say this. It's important, it's, it's always important to be in a church that, that teaches according to the doctrine of the word. But if you are in need of healing and you're in a church that doesn't believe that it's always God's will to heal or that doesn't teach it from the pulpit or, or maybe even the opposite, they disagree and they, and they don't agree that it's always God's will to heal, that can be confusing when you're in a healing journey. And the good thing is God is so, so loving and gentle. And he will lead you and guide you step by step by step by step. I can look right here at a couple people. Kathy's one, I'm another one. And we both um, made a, a move in our church, but it was over a long period of time. It wasn't overnight. We... Um, needed God to give us that direction because I was very founded in my denomination. And it was just not easy for me to take a step away. It just wasn't. And God knew that. And he met me right where I was at. It was a very long season. It was probably three or four, five, six months. It was a while. And gradually, I had the move in my heart to go to the church where I was being fed and nourished by the word, where I was receiving healing prayer, where people were agreeing with God and with me for my healing. But I do think that it's important that you're not conflicting and you're not confused because of conflicting teachings. The bottom line is, doesn't line up with the word of God, doesn't line up with Jesus and the gospel truth. So establish yourself in an environment for healing. Now, in that environment, you have an active part to play. It's not just sitting back and saying, okay, here I'm in this small group. 
No, you have an active role. Three things. Number one, be teachable. The, God's word for that is meekness. Meekness. Be open. Be teachable. I'm going to give you what, to me, is caution. When I hear these words, I see caution lights. And the words are, I already know that. Yes, Cindy, I already know that. And many of the things that we share are truths that are powerful truths. <laughs> Something's getting home here. That are powerful truths. And we're going to repeat them over and over and over and over and over and over again. But the, the Holy Spirit stirs that truth in you fuels it. It's like he's fanning the flame and fueling it and bringing it back to life and stirring that up in you. But I have seen and heard um, where there's almost like a hardness of heart where um, we say, I know that. I know that. I know that. And it's almost as if God can't get in there and breathe his life into that precious promise. His word is alive and powerful. But if we have a hardened heart, if there's something there And sometimes it can be, I know that. And that often happens with spiritual um, maturity, but it doesn't have to. If you have been reading the Bible for 25 years, of course, you probably know a lot of scriptures. If you've been brought up in a, a church that believes in healing, it is deep in you. But we still need to be open to let God stir and reveal or refresh what you already know. So be careful about that. And I want to read you a scripture to give you um, just a little bit of scriptural evidence for this. This is James 1.21. I'm going to read it out of three translations. This is just a beautiful, beautiful word. The first part of the scripture deals with the worldliness that we live in. And it says, therefore, lay aside that stuff. Lay aside filthiness, wickedness, overflow of wickedness. But here's the part I really want to focus on. And receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Receive, take with meekness, with openness, the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Later when I teach about the soul, you're going to see how the soul is so important. And it's the middle, like the middleman between what's already yours in the spiritual realm and what you are believing God to manifest in the physical realm. So your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions are very important. And it says that the engrafted word, when you receive it with openness, has the power to save, to so-so your souls. And then physical healing is a, is a byproduct of that. The next translation is the amplified. The, so get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness and in a humble, gentle, modest spirit, receive and welcome the word, which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls. Receive and welcome the word. We want it to be deeply rooted in our hearts. And we need to be open in order for that to happen. And then the message Bible. So throw away all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. I like this translation. Cancerous, when you think of cancer, it's a really negative word. It's destructive. God says, throw it away. Anything that you want to put in that package, just throw it away. 
the busyness of life, the confusion of all the medical stuff, the disease itself, the diagnosis, the, the yuck. Put all that stuff in the garbage. And in simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden in your life. Isn't that beautiful? So what I recommend is that you pray and ask God to open your heart and prepare it to receive the word. So this is talking about God being a gardener and landscaping your heart. If you have, a, 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 in, the, in the spring, if you have a hard-packed garden and you try to plant your plants, it's going to be hard to do. The, the roots aren't going to be able to grow. and it, You want it to be soft and tilled up with good, rich potting soil and all that. That's what we want our hearts to be like. So ask God to do that. There's a beautiful scripture in the first chapter of Ephesians that says, God, open the eyes of my heart. Just use your own words. God, stir up my heart. Show me what you want me to see today. Father, I pray that you, you are the gardener. Open my heart. Just till the soil of my heart so that when the seeds of the word go in, that they can take root, that they can sprout and root and grow deep and strong and firmly established. So pray that way. Before you come to a healing meeting, pray that way before you open your Bible and, and read and watch God just give you revelation after revelation. So that's the first part of your role with your mentor or in your small group or in your church. Here's the next the next. Um, a piece of advice. Ask questions. If you ask questions, if you have a question, ask a question. It's a good thing. Those questions in this environment will lead you to the word and to truth. If you are in a, a believing believers environment, if you go to anybody on our ministry team and you ask a question, we're going to do our best to give you the answer based on God's word. So questions are good. Ask them. And the third suggestion is to talk about what you're learning. That's like putting miracle Grow on those seeds. There's something about talking about what you're learning that makes it deeper and deeper and deeper in you. I am really, really blessed because I talk a lot about what I know and what, what, what I'm learning and what God's showing me. Teaching is a gift to the teacher, because it gets deeper and deeper and deeper in me as I share it with you. But you can do the same thing. You don't have to be a teacher. You can just go talk about it. Who can you talk to? Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your friend. Maybe it's your, your spouse. Maybe it's um, your spiritual mentor. Maybe it's your mom. Who is that person? But I really recommend talking about what you're learning. It just is like miracle growing the seed of the word of God. So those are um, suggestions that you can do in your, in your, with your mentor, with your small group, with your church. But what about in your alone time with God? When you're having that one-on-one -on -one time with God, how can you take an active role to take what he so freely has paid for? First of all, you need to have a depth and a breadth of attention on the word of God. I call it the attention factor. 
If you are having any sort of a physical need in your life, whether it's um, a surgery, my husband had knee replacement surgery a few years ago, whether it is a disease that you're fighting, whether it's a chronic issue, any one of those situations, whether you have a bo broken bone like Pat did recently, when there's any situation like that in your life, all of a sudden, a lot of your attention goes to that. It has to. You know, you're making, you have doctor's appointments. You need to take care of yourself. Many times you may need physical therapy, um, medicines that you take at certain times of the day, restrictions. If you're um, um, having a chronic issue, you may have to change your diet. It takes your attention. It takes commitment. It takes attention. Many times your schedule is even altered. You have to adjust your life to fit into that thing, to do what you need to do, right? How much more should we focus our attention on the spiritual aspect? So I'm calling it the attention factor. We need to have the attention factor in our spiritual walk, just like we do in the natural. So what does it look like? It might look like a great change or adjustment in your schedule. From the first day that I was saved, I started getting up and spending time with God, and I'd never done that before. It was a significant change in my routine and in my schedule. It, it involves commitment. It involves consistency. If you can do it with your physical thing, how much more in the spiritual realm? So I'm going to read a scripture now, Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 22. It's a familiar scripture about attention. Let me read the whole thing, and then I'm going to take it line by line. My son or my daughter, give attention to my words. See, God's saying, pay attention. Give me your attention. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. So the first four lines of that scripture talk about the importance of completely giving your attention to God and his word. And then the last two lines talk about the benefits. So let me take it a line at a time and just go a little bit deeper. The first line says, my son or my daughter, give attention to my words. The promises that God has given you. The, the revelation that he's showing you in his word or that he's speaking directly to your heart. Give him attention. To give attention means to take care of it. To watch over it. To spend time with it. To focus on it. I have some promises that are so special to me that it's like I almost like am territorial with those promises. I mean, I have promises that I have put up on my refrigerator that spoke such life to me during a season that they were literally life. They, they built me up so much that they were like more important than anything that was in that refrigerator. That word on the outside was more important. Pay attention to it. Focus on it. The next line says, incline your ear to my sayings. It's as if God is saying, are you listening to me? 
Are you listening to this really, really good news? We can read and not listen. We've all done it. You read and it kind of, you, you almost can be thinking of something else while you're reading. It's like we want to say, wake up, <laughs> pay attention, listen while you're reading. And then are you agreeing with God as you're reading his word? Incline your ear to his sayings. The next line says, don't let them depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of your heart. So your heart's different than your mind. If um, let me see, how do I want to say this? You may know God's promises here in your head. But then when you have stuff going on, like symptoms or pain or a bad diagnosis, if it's just here in your head, it can cause you to be tossed to and fro, like the wave, doubt, unbelief, fear, all that stuff, if it's right here. God says in this scripture, don't let them depart from your eyes. So keep your eyes on the word and keep it in the midst of your heart. Now that is a process of getting it from here into here. And that's another teaching about renewing your mind. But it, the, the bottom line is stay in the word, meditate on the word, speak the word out loud, let it minister to your soul. When there's a word that God gives you like he has me in the past, put it right front and center where you can see it. On your refrigerator, on your mirror, um, someplace that you have it with you all the time. It's such a treasure. And then God says, those words, those treasures that he's given to you, they're life. When you find a word like that, it is life. And that word life is the, the Hebrew word che. And the Hebrew word che means physical life. Physical life. That means your heart pumps, your brain works, your systems do what they're supposed to do, your organs are healthy. Those words are life to those who find them, and they are health to all their flesh. And the word health can also be translated medicine. Those words, the words of God, are medicine. So pay attention. And then I've given you and your sheet all kinds of ways to, to focus your attention. And this is, this is, like I said, the attention factor isn't just, um, you know, a 10-minute block of time. When Pat broke her leg, she was all day long taking care of that. Her husband was there. She had restrictions. She had all sorts of things that she had to do. And throughout her day was sprinkled all of the things that are on your sheet. Reading the Bible. Mm, letting God speak to you. Paying attention while you read. Letting it soak in. Reading it again. Meditating on those words. Many times when I read, especially when I pray before I read, there will be a scripture, just one, maybe two, that just stand out. And that's when I stop and meditate. Say, God, what are you telling me? What are you talking to me about? I get out my journal. I write down the scripture reference. I start writing, asking my questions, just pondering that word. Meditate on the word. Pray. Pray. Talk to God. Listen. 
Praise and worship. Put on your music. Sing to the Lord. Feed on testimonies. Kathy was sharing how powerful testimonies are. Look on 700 Club. Look on the internet. Look on our website. Um, Remind yourself of what God has done in your life with your own testimonies. And then feed on good teaching of the word. You can go to um, God TV or um, Andrew Womack's website. Right now, by the way, I just found this today because I got an email. The Healing is Here conference is going on right now in Colorado Springs. Our beautiful um, Heather, she's here every Monday. She's there. She went to Colorado. She's there. And I've been texting her back and forth. But I found out you can watch it live stream right now. You can do the whole conference live stream. So I was on there today listening to the the teachers. It was awesome. And I texted Heather, I'm with you, girl. (laughs) Yeah. So we can do, there's all sorts of things we can access. Bethel TV has live TV. Um, Many of them do now live streaming. Um, Our website has hours. I started to count how many teachings are on there. There's hundreds of teachings and they're all about healing. So access teaching about healing. So in that time, I know um, Christine, Christine, right? I always want to call you Carol because that's the word of knowledge God gave you months ago. Christine Carol, I call her. So Christine is in the midst right now of a journey and she's going to be starting treatment or not treatment. She's having surgery this week and then deciding what to do after that. So during this time, she's had five months and this is what she's been doing, immersing herself with the attention factor in God, the word. Praise and worship, his amazing good news. Okay, so now we're going to shift. Thus far, we've talked about freely receiving, and it's an active role. I want to take just a moment to um, reflect on what you've received. Because you might be here thinking, I haven't received. You might have been seeking and haven't yet seen it manifest in your life. But I want you to go to God right now with me and ask him what you have received. So let's just do that. Father, we just come before you right now. And we put our our focus on how amazing you are, how glorious you are, what a good father you are, and how you have taken care of us throughout so many storms of our lives, so many seasons of our lives. Father, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for paying the ultimate price and inviting us to be your children. We thank you that we have been saved and set free, that we have been transferred out of darkness and into the light. I thank you, Father, we no longer reside in the place of the dominion of darkness. We now reside in the light in the power of your, of your son, the love of your son, the grace of your son. And we thank you for it, God. Father, I thank you for the beauty of creation, the beauty of this summer. This summer has been so amazing. And I thank you for every, every day of life, every breath of life that we have lived thus far. And I thank you for this day. I thank you, Father for children and grandchildren. I thank you, Father, for relationships, friends, 
I thank you for my mentors. Thank you, God, that you have gifted me with each of those things. Thank you for my husband, my amazing husband, God. Thank you for setting it all up. <laughs> thank you for your way and your plan and your purpose. Thank you for the gifts and the treasures that you have placed in each one of us individually and how each one of us come together to form the body of Christ. Each one of us is important. Each treasure, each gift is integral to our body of Christ. And I thank you for that. Thank you for healings, Father. Thank you for the, the steps along the way where you have shown yourself so strong and so loving. Thank you for taking care of us, God. Thank you for the peace that you bought for us so that we can walk through the storm with peace, with comfort, knowing that you're there, knowing that you're taking care of us. God, you have so freely given so much, and we thank you. We take it, we receive it, and we thank you. Jesus, I thank you for what is already done, the finished work of the cross. And I thank you that even if it hasn't been manifest yet in our bodies, it is a done deal. I thank you, God, that the work is finished, that the healing is purchased, that eternal life is a, a gift. Righteousness is a gift. Forgiveness is a gift. I thank you it is all finished. It is all purchased. It is our gift. And I thank you for it. God, we just stand in awe of how many amazing ways that you've poured out your love and your gifts to us. Thank you, Lord. We thank you and we love you so much. Amen. 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 We need to do that more often. And just let him reveal to us how amazingly he's gifted us. And not only has he given, I want to encourage you to give what you've been given, to share what he's given to you. That's why many of you are here, and I see you doing it already. And I, it's just you can't help but give when you've been so, so blessed by him. I'm going to read Cindy's translation again of Hosea 4.6. My people are restored with knowledge of my, of my precious promises. And because you have received my promises, I receive you into my royal priesthood. Because my word is engrafted into the depth of your heart, I also will remember your children. So guess what, guys? You are his royal priesthood. I'm going to read you a scripture that says that. This is second, or 1 Peter 2, 9. 1 Peter 2, 9. This is you. This is me. But we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that we may proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's who we are. 
We are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a holy nation. We are his own special people. And then God tells us to do something about it, to proclaim it, to proclaim praises to him who's called us out of darkness and into the light. So what does that look like? Freely we have received. God says to freely give too, as well. So I'm going to read a couple more scriptures and then we're going to close. The first scripture I want to read is Isaiah and it's 52, 7. Isaiah 52, 7. I love this word because God is just in this scripture. He is just showing how pleased he is when we freely give. He says, how beautiful are the feet, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, and who says to Zion, your God reigns. You got a few words underlined in there. I want to go back and talk about those words. God is so thrilled when we, when we are out there telling people good news. When people call me with bad news, with bad reports, and they want prayer, one of the first things I always say is, I have some good news for you. Let's, let's talk about good news. And then I tell them about Jesus and his finished work of healing. That's really good news. He loves it when we tell people good news about the goodness of God, about the word of God, about the finished work of Jesus. He loves it when we proclaim peace. Peace is the word shalom. Jesus purchased that for us. He, it's part of our inheritance. So we can tell people about peace. We can pray for peace. That's a powerful prayer. When you know somebody who is, who is in fear or who is in a trial, proclaim peace over them. It is a huge gift. And you can just see peace just saturate them as you pray for peace for them. Because you're just releasing what's already theirs. God is so pleased when we bring glad tidings of good things. And when I read that line, I think about sharing testimonies. God loves it when we share testimonies of what Jesus has done in our lives or in others' lives. Just like Kathy did. It builds us up and it encourages us because it shows us how good he is. And that is his will for all of us. He doesn't pick and choose. He doesn't have favorites. He loves it when we proclaim salvation. That word salvation in the Hebrew is Yeshua. I got so excited when I learned that. That's the, the Hebrew name for Jesus. So he loves it when we proclaim Jesus, when we proclaim Yeshua. And Jesus' name means salvation, deliverance, and victory. Victory. And we can, because it's in the word and it's true, we can proclaim victory in everything that's going on. It doesn't matter how bleak it looks. We can claim and proclaim victory. And the last line, who says to Zion, and that word Zion is a city, and it literally means parched place. So we can say to that parched place, to that person who is in a dark place, oppressed, depressed, sick, in pain, whatever it is, tell them, your God reigns. Our God, he reigns. Reigns means he's in dominion. 
He's in authority. He's in power. He's over that thing. And when we do that, when we are um, giving that gift, what's going to happen? They're going to be built up. Faith is going to stir. There's going to be an openness to receive. And when you lay hands and when you pray, there is a connection between the power of heaven and what's here on earth. Heaven come, invade this place. As you simply bring that good news, share the testimonies, declare the bigness of God, the victory of God, the salvation of God. And then there's a ripple effect. So the first person that did this with me was my friend Jenny, way back 16 years ago. And I'm standing here today doing the same thing. That's a ripple effect. And I see you guys going out to the mall and praying for people, talking to your friends, bringing people here. That's what you're doing. You are sharing the good news. We're sharing the good news. So this next scripture I want to share, it's really, really a cool one. It's 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5 through 11. And what it shows is that we're all working together. We're all on the same team. So Paul's talking here, and he says, who is Apollos, really? Or who's Paul? Now, we can put any of our names in there. Who is Cindy, really? Who's Pastor Tim? Aren't we both just servants through whom you believed our message? Aren't each of us doing the ministry the Lord has assigned to us? And then Paul says, I was the one who planted the church, and then Apollo came and cared for it. But... It was God who caused it to grow. This means the one who plants is not anybody special, nor the one who waters. For God is the one who brings the supernatural growth. You know, whenever um, Kathy or anybody else opens and then they, they, you know, say, Cindy, come on up and everybody, you know, just honors me. It blesses me, but I always, I always say, it's all Jesus, guys. It's all about him. I just happen to be gifted with teaching. Kent's gifted with technology. He's every bit as important as I am. I'm just the one that's standing here talking. Pastor Tim is the one that mentored me. We're all on the same team. And then it goes on and it says, now the one who plants and the one who waters are equally important and on the same team. But each will be rewarded for his own work. We are co-workers with God and you are God's cultivated garden. The house he's building. God has given me unique gifts as a skilled master builder who lays a good foundation. And then afterward, another craftsman comes and builds on it. So builders, beware. Now here is the one key that is very important that we all need to pay attention to. Let every builder do his work carefully according to God's standards. For no one is empowered to lay an alternative foundation other than the good foundation that exists, which is Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. But what this shows us is that as we all freely receive, we are all called to freely give whatever it is. It might be a smile. It might be helping with resources. It might be um, technology. But whatever it is, we are all called praying, intercessory prayer. Many of us have a list going of people that we're praying for. I have one in my, my Bible that sits by my table at home. 
all the people that I'm just praying for and just believing God for. Many of you are on that piece of paper. Yes, you're on there. <laughs> Mark 16:20. Mm. This is like our ministry scripture. It's on the it's on one of the head pages of our website because this is what I know. This is what I trust. Mark 16:20 says, "And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord kept working with them and confirming the message by the attesting signs and miracles that closely accompanied it. Amen, so be it. So we just do the ministry, what we're called to do, what Kent and I are called to do, and God does the rest. That's his part. Like Kathy said, when she opened and we prayed and we laid hands and we trust that God's doing his part, we don't worry about it. We don't strive. Yes, we are consistent. We are persistent. We do our, our best to pray effectually. But it's all God. And we just let God be God, and it's really fun. So I'm going to close with the scripture I started with, Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have taken freely you have received now freely give pastor tim has shared this with me and i'm going to share this with you he says that this giving praying for others reaching out to others even while you're still in your own battle is a really powerful tool in attaining your healing and keeping your healing just want to add that little nugget whether you're praying from your home or whether you're going to a mall and praying, it is a powerful tool. And this is Bill Johnson's saying it's on your paper. More people get healed when you pray for more people. I pray for a lot of people. I give you a lot of testimonies, but I pray for a lot of people. More people get prayed when you pray for more people get healed when you pray for more people. So there is a declaration on your sheet right now. It is based off of Ephesians 6, verse 19 and 20. Let's make this declaration together. This is one of my declarations that I speak over myself all of the time. And I think it's a powerful one for all of us. Freely we have received and God has called us all into an as-you-go ministry. So let's declare this together. I pray that freedom of utterance may be given to us that we may open our mouths to proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news, the gospel, for which we are ambassadors. I pray that we may declare it boldly and courageously as we ought to do. Amen. Isn't that a good declaration? Yeah. Okay. So um, would you stand up right now? I want to pray a prayer of blessing over all of us right now. And this is based off of the Isaiah 52, 7 scripture that we just read. So just, I like to lift my hands like this in a position of receiving. So as this blessing goes forth, you might even want to say, I receive that. Just whisper, I receive it over every blessing that I speak over you. Lord, bless our feet as they bring the good news to the sick, to the lost, and to the broken. Lord, bless our hands as we lay them on the sick. And we believe that the sick shall be healed. 
Lord, bless our tongues as we share the good news, as we proclaim peace, as we bring glad tidings of good things, and as we proclaim Jesus. Lord, bless our minds. May they continually be renewed with your precious word. And Lord, bless our hearts. May we grow to know your heart, your compassion, your love, and then pour it out over the kingdom as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.